Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Well, it's a very special episode of Don't Panic Pantry because today I am fully in control. That's right. When we do a guest, there is no Emily because I think three's a crowd. Today, joining me is, I would call you a good friend, right? Yeah. Uh, it was very nice that uh, I was able to reach out through PR and find my way uh, onto this podcast. I don't know how we got this scheduled. Big, big get for me. I would say you're my best friend. I would also say that you are some, you're my husband. Uh, when I did the Mythical Kitchen uh, YouTube channel recently, somebody in the comments said, "You know he's funny because he lives with Eliza." I said, "Ah, yes, my roommate with whom I also uh, <laughs> raise a child that we had together." Yeah, we're not a husband and wife. We're best friends, lovers. We pay bills together. We have a child, but we're less husband and wife and more like best buds. We're co-parents who are also married. Who are also married. I would never to call- To each other. We're married to each other. I would never call you buddy. Thanks, pal. Yeah. I like gave you a high five one day and you were like, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, we're not the couple who are like, what's up, Gluten? Hey, Schlesinger. Oh, ever. I don't call any of my best friends, any of my friends by their last names. We also <laughs> don't have like dope last names. <laughs> but we're not like the casual couple. Like we are husband and wife and you happen to be my best I friend. Mean, we're casual- yeah, yeah, but we're not like, like I, bruh, like I would never. Yeah, we're not, we're not best buds. We're not best buds, like hand jobs, whatevs. High five, okay. Yeah, you let me give hand jobs all over town. I let you give hand jobs because you know what? It's your body. Yes, to your myself. body, their choice. Yes, to yourself. <laughs> so, folks, the reason Noah is on the podcast that is my husband, Noah Galutin. Um, and I'll introduce you as if we didn't know each other. Uh, cookbook author, executive chef. Husband extraordinaire, I would never call you my hubs. I would never call you babers. I would never call you anything that we see on Instagram that women with like joint uh, couple influencer accounts call their husbands. We're sex friends. Sex friends. Just sex friends. Folks, Noah's here because you're hearing this episode on January 25th. And that means we are mere days away from his, and a little bit of mine, gorgeous cookbook. Don't Panic Pantry. Is it the Don't Panic Pantry? It's the Don't Panic Pantry cookbook. It's the Don't Panic Pantry cookbook, forward written by yours truly. But, and I know we've talked about this before, but when the pandemic hit, we started doing a cooking show and we ended up doing it for over a year. We did over 250 episodes. Um, obviously that wasn't one a day, but it was one a day for a very long time, for, for several weeks. And we really dedicated time to it. Obviously I'm not the chef, but Noah really put time and effort into, and of course I was very funny, but into making food that encouraged people at the time, this is the beginning of the pandemic, to stay home, cook with what they have. And we tried to be a place of gathering positive information and a place where people could come and feel comfortable and feel comforted. And honestly, also, it was a great way for me to not go completely insane during uh, the pandemic. 
We had a great time though. And I actually look forward to our filmings every day because we could talk to people and not feel so alone. And here we are. After all this, I remember at the time I tried to shop it around as a show. No one was interested. And I remember saying to him, let's just commit to doing the show. We'll just keep on doing it. If there's one thing I am, it's intrepid and something will come of this. And what came of this was that Knopf, this beloved, not specialty, but- Publisher. Publisher. They're one of the great publishers yeah. uh, in the world. And they're a historically great cookbook publisher who've done cookbooks by like Edna Lewis and Julia Child and now Nancy Silvertson, Lydia Bastianich. A lot of big uh, people. Deb Perlman. And they are one of the true greats. A lot of big pushes. And uh, yeah, I had the unbelievable good fortune to meet with Lexi Bloom, who uh, went on to be my editor before the pandemic. And we talked about doing a cookbook together. And we were really close to to coming to, to terms on something. And then the world got put on pause. And uh, over yeah. the course of, of the pandemic, we kind of kept doing the show. And finally, they uh, kind of things started to normalize a little bit. And they reached out and said that we would still love to do the book. But can we name it after the show? And can Eliza write the forward? And, and the negotiations with Eliza's agent were... Real intense. Real intense. I think I got paid two dinners. And I will say, this just shows to Goya, you know, if you love something and you have an idea for something, just keep doing it because so many more people talk about doing things than actually doing it. Like just put one foot in front of the other and just go forth. And it's not like we've created the most incredible thing ever, but I'm really proud of this cookbook because this is also from the blood, not blood, from the sweat of us, but also the fans. Like this is part of you guys like showing up and watching us all those weeks, all those months. I do a decent amount of bleeding. There's a lot of bleeding in this food. There's a lot of blood in this food. You guys, you've got questions for my lovely husband and we've got the answers. And so Emily has culled several questions. I went back through, let's get to it. In one of Anthony Bourdain's books, he famously gave the advice to not order in a restaurant fish on a Monday and stay clear of restaurants with, the dog sneezed. And steer clear of restaurants with too many items on the menu. Any other restaurateur professional chef advice for customers? Thanks. Obviously, this person wanted to remain painfully anonymous. Yeah. Also, I think, though, that sometimes uh, some of those old tropes are not even necessarily true anymore. Like, I generally don't trust a restaurant with a gigantic menu. But that being said, there are exceptions to every rule. And, you know, think about Really? Do you really think that? Every once in a while, you find like like a louder's. That like, why are they able to make uh, uh, garlic bread and Korean food and uh, weird pastas and have them all be delicious? I don't think there's any such thing as like terrible garlic bread. I don't know. For the most part, when you go, I think when you're serving too many varieties of ethnic cuisine, then it gets a little weird. You're like, what's going on here? How well could you possibly know all of these? Yeah, when it's like... Chinese restaurant plus sushi and pizza and pasta. Well, ch- weirdly, Chinese and sushi are like, what's happened? Do you think white people are just all dumb and we're like, it's the same? It's not going to be, it's hard to get good sushi anyway. That's going to be a nightmare unless you're just after the rice. Sometimes when it's like, we've got pastas, burgers, pizzas, Mexican food, you're like, take it, squeezy. That's it. I, that's, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we, we always used to joke about like when you're traveling. Any restaurant that has the guy standing out front being like, please, come on, come on. Oh, like it's so all good. of Europe to every tourist? Yeah, if they're begging you to come in, then uh, it's not usually well, a good part, sign. Any club having his member. What's up with the fish? Th- oh my God, what's up with the fish thing? Well, the truth is so much fish. I mean, I would rather have uh, fish that was caught, properly treated, frozen, and then defrosted correctly than, you know, like almost all sushi has been frozen. And a lot of that has to do with... Uh, um, sort of laws around killing bacteria. If you can eat it raw, it needs to be frozen at a certain temperature to a certain, for a certain amount of time. And so a lot of times that stuff, you know, I don't worry about the fish thing too much because I think freezing is a is a very good technique and it can work really well. Um, so yeah, I, the idea of the no fish on Monday is like- It used the- to be the fish wasn't delivered until later in the week. So it used to be this idea that like that fish is old. And you know, I think the general rule is don't go to bad restaurants because bad restaurants that are struggling financially are often uh, really trying to find a way to cut corners and use old weird stuff. So, you know, uh, if you go to a restaurant where the people are good at their jobs and care about what they're doing, then you're usually in pretty good shape. Um, my favorite one was like- 
we were t- you I forgot what where we were, but we were talking about like eating at a restaurant like on the ocean. And you were like, that fish wasn't caught in that ocean. Yeah, a lot of times that'll happen where it's like, you know, you're in Malibu looking out over the water uh, or somewhere like that. And you're going, mm, and you're eating like- uh, Sea bream. Like yeah, sea, whatever it Chilean is. sea bass. Yeah, and you know, it's like the idea of like if steakhouses all had to be like overlooking grass fields. Right. You're like, that fish was flown in from Maine like three days ago. Like that's not, you're on a river and that's yeah. a saltwater fish. So that's your advice. Hi, Pod Squad. I'm so happy that Noah's coming back for another episode. I love the ones he came on a couple of years ago and like having his perspective on random questions when he drops into Eliza's office. You hear that? It's my office. Well, you hear that? They like it when I drop in. You hear that? It's actually, you're in here more than me. A couple of months ago, I started eating vegetarian and I found that the quote, alternative meats, impossible, beyond, really hurt my stomach. So I've been more conscious about eating plant-based vegetarian. I eat a lot of variations of chickpea salad, which I love, but was wondering if Noah had a plant-based recipe that he liked or knew of any good vegetarian chefs to follow. Thanks so much. Noah, I also have a list of restaurants you recommended in Portland during a previous episode for whenever I go back traveling. Much like Eliza's Coffeehouse map, I think you should make a map of restaurants you've traveled to that you really enjoy. Love you. Stay safe. Carry on. Uh, I actually have a lot of uh, restaurant maps around the country and maybe uh, and around the world. Maybe I should... Uh Make them public. Um, Keep it safe. Hoard but uh, yeah, I mean, I honestly, this, the Don't Panic Pantry cookbook, uh, the subtitle of the book is, quote, mostly vegetarian comfort food that happens to be pretty good for you. So there is a lot of vegetarian food in the book. It is not entirely vegetarian, but a lot of it is uh, no meat or low meat. Um, the idea that meat can be an accent without having to be kind of the main purpose of a dish. Um, so yeah, I love a lot of that stuff. And I, I, we kind of eat mostly vegetarian at home. Uh, we kind of believe in the less and better rule when it comes to meat. So I buy stuff from small Talk farms. Talk about the less from, and better mule. Yeah, like we Talk can, about the less and better mule. Like I go to farmer's markets and there are some great uh, farms here in California that have sustainable, delicious, outstanding meat. And, you know, when you're not uh, producing it at a massive scale, it is more expensive. And when you treat the animals properly, it is a lot more expensive. And when it is more expensive, then you don't buy it as much. And it kind yeah. of takes care of itself. Um, and so, so I just want to be clear, you know, because there's a lot of snobbery involved and it's like, why can't you just eat better? And of course there are people in food deserts and people that can't afford or don't have access, but this is about just, I mean, we choose to just not eat meat unless it's a little bit more expensive and a little bit more sustainable. And in place of it, we're just eating other things like lentils, which are cheap, chickpeas, beans, things like that. A lot of grains, a lot of legumes, things like that. That being said, you know, it's not a hard and fast rule. If I'm traveling somewhere, if we're in Dallas and I'm at Adair's Saloon, you know, I'm going to have a couple of, of uh, drinks and, and, and throw down. I'm going to throw back some bacon uh, cheeseburgers. A tasty Dre bacon cheeseburger. I'm a sad cow. So, you know, I, but it's, you know, this is kind of one of my, my beliefs about food is that you know, I think people get so overwhelmed. They get so caught up. There's so much uh, uh, that's like very personal about food. I think people can be overwhelmed by all the things going on with it. So rather than trying to tell everyone what they're supposed to be doing, that you have to have this or this or this or change your entire life, I do believe that, uh, that trying matters and that better is enough. And sometimes that just trying to do a little better, trying to improve certain things, trying to cook a little more for yourself or add a little less, use more whole ingredients, you start to find these little small bits of improvement and that can can really mean a lot and go I a long way. I also feel like plant-based makes it sound like it's an avocado steak. Like it's Yeah, like a, I drank a plant-based bottle of wine last night. Right, like most, a lot of pasta dishes are plant or just vegetarian. We can say vegetarian, you know, plant-based means like there's vegetables like pasta fazool or anything with chickpeas. I just think when we say plant-based, it starts to weirdly sound like techie and expensive. Like, ooh, a soy shake using like B12. Yeah, and and look, you know, if people are enthusiastic about being vegetarian, that's great. And, you know, I think a lot of times these, uh, you know- Mushroom shake. Like, you know- Erewhon- Venture capitalists and tech bros sink a bunch of money into how to create fake meat that seem to taste like meat and act like meat, but often is just like super weird. And like, frankly, how much pea protein are we supposed to be eating in our diets? That's a great question because it's not the question. It's more about positing the question like, what's the reason you're eating the plant-based burger? Is it because you don't agree with killing animals? Okay, but don't eat it because you think it's healthier. 
Yeah, and uh, and look, if you don't want to eat meat and you like the way those taste, then you know, uh, be my guest. I'm not here to stop you from doing anything. I'll take a vegan steak, taste though. And granted, you know, I am uh, uh, I am omnivorous. I eat everything, but I lean in various directions. So I don't like. I haven't been a vegetarian for 25 years, craving a hamburger. Right. And okay. so, if you want to do that and you find pleasure in it, be my guest. But I don't think that it is the solution to all of our problems. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It happened to me. I didn't think it would, but it happened to me. I had a nasty bout of postpartum depression. Now, there's nothing to be ashamed about in talking about what you're dealing with, and there's nothing to be ashamed about in talking about it with someone. I definitely saw a therapist these last couple weeks because, you know, I spend my time giving advice to others, but I could use a little advice myself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I'll tell you what, when you're already stressed or anxious, the last thing you want to do is battle traffic and sit in a waiting room and get your parking validated. I'm sorry, is that just an LA thing? You don't need to add all that. You can just sit in the comfort of your own home or a chair you like outside and you can talk to someone from BetterHelp. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time. No additional charge and it doesn't hurt their feelings. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Eliza today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Eliza. I'm busy and this time of year gets even busier. I've had my baby, I'm back to work, I'm at meetings, I'm on tour, I'm running around and I don't always have time to sit down for a meal with my family. Sometimes I get home from set so late and I just need to eat something nutritious and go to bed. And that's why I like Factors fresh, never frozen meals because they're dietitian approved and they're ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy I am, and I'm busy, I always have time to get a nutritious, great tasting meal. Factor has over 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. So I never get bored. I'm trying to do less meat in general and they have wonderful vegan and veggie options. I just made a vegan mushroom marsala and I made an onion risotto. Just because you're eating vegetarian doesn't mean you can't eat deliciously. It had roasted garlic green beans. It was scrumptious. Head to factormeals.com slash Eliza50 and use code Eliza50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code Eliza50 at factormeals.com slash Eliza50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Well, it's finally happening. The weather is finally getting warmer. So it's time to say goodbye to the jackets and cozy sweaters we've been hibernating in all winter. And it's time to say hello, bonjour, to shorts and t-shirts. And if you've been wanting to update your wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, Quince is for you. I talk about Quince a lot because I really believe in a sustainable capsule wardrobe. And there's no reason you can't have a sustainable, timeless wardrobe for every season. And Quince has got you covered with premium linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable, silk tops, hello. And the best part is all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Dressing well shouldn't break the bank. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Look well. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash Eliza for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Eliza to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Eliza. Hello, AIA fam. I love cooking, and I've been a hobby cook for over 10 years now. Straight from the Hobby Lobby. Straight from the Hobby Horse. I enjoy throwing dinner parties and making nice meals for friends. This has led me to being the default hostess for people coming into town. I live in New Orleans. Do either Noah or Eliza have any tips for being a good host or cook when throwing a dinner party? both for close friends as well as people you may want to impress. With Noah being a chef and Eliza being in the LA scene, I feel like you two would have this on lock. Who dat? I think, honestly, the big trick to it is to kind of reverse engineer your menu around uh, being able to enjoy the party itself. Mm. So, like, for me, I, I tend to believe that 
any dinner party that's more than six people is a catering job, and all of a sudden it's not fun anymore. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, but, you know, if you're going to cook certain things, try to build it out in a way that you are not going to be, like, harried in the kitchen trying to, like, pan sear six perfect, you know, salmon yeah. fillets. Uh, you know, work on an oven method that you could do. Or if you want to make a pasta, that you can make the sauce in advance and you can have salad made and dressing ready to go so that once people get there, all you have to do is boil some water, drop some pasta in, do it that way. And kind of really, yeah, again, reverse engineer it uh, so that it fits into what you're trying to do and having a good time time versus uh, a recipe that you want to show off that all of a sudden now you're just uh, you're just working at a party instead of being at a party. Yeah, if you want to do something super intricate and delicate, maybe cook it for two other people. But the bigger it gets, you know, whenever I look at like Instagram, it's always like, here are six holiday like on the appetizers. Here are six adorable cupcakes. Like, yes, for six people at the most. Like if you're sitting there like hand- dotting each little Christmas tree cookie with gold ornaments that you painted it. First of all, you're not going to have any fun. You can't pump out enough of those. So it's about gathering. It's about eating something good. And I want to tie this into this next question. Cause I think they're all, it's all in the same family. This woman says, I grew up in a family full of strong, confident women as my aunt's older female cousins. I'm the baby of the family, but now I'm 25, I'm married, and I want to be a host. We moved into a new town during COVID for work and school, so many of my friendship making has been stunted by work and healthcare during COVID. I want to be the type of host my aunts are, and I want to be comfortable making a meal for my friends and family. I think part of it is social anxiety. My husband thinks I'm overly concerned about cleanliness of the house and whether or not dinner is good enough to share. How do I build confidence and be a host, uh, be a good host? Also, my husband got a ticket to see you in Vegas. I cried. I've been watching this for so long. I can't wait to see you in person. Yeah, see you in March at the win. I'll answer this. Yeah. You go ahead. Well, no, I, I mean, I mean, confidence obviously is an important thing for uh, for a lot of facets of life. And, you know, I'm not here to be an expert on, on how each individual person can have more confidence. But I do really believe that uh, for me personally, confidence is something that is built up over time through repetition and through uh, earning that confidence. There's like, you know, blind confidence of just like, I'm the greatest guy in the world. And then you might not be, you're just kind of a, a jerk. But in terms of confidence with like cooking and with things like that, when you do it enough that you get those reps in and you feel good about it, now you kind of know what it's supposed to be like. So I would recommend, you know, when you're trying to get your confidence up for a dinner party at home, make something a few times over the course of your life that you get good at and you get confidence in making it so that you're not trying some new recipe for the first time for a bunch of people. It's Japanese kachue pepe. Sorry, that was weird. We made it in a lollipops. <laughs> I was just trying to think of food. I think in terms of hosting also, my mom always talks about this, like have, and you were kind of saying this earlier, like pre-make a lot of things and have your mise en place, which means like everything in its place, have the table set, have everything out. That way, when people come into your home, you're doing the final touches, having appetizers out. You know, you want to be engaged with them. You don't want to be relegated to the kitchen. You're not the hired cook, you're the host. And so having everything kind of going and in the oven, that way you have like a half hour to hang out, but like while the thing finishes, but everything else is done. Yeah. Have it getting as much done as possible because the point is to socialize because you're not a caterer. And again, reverse engineering the menu so it's something that fits to the thing you're trying to do, not just something you want to make. Yeah. And don't be afraid. I think, I don't know. Don't be afraid to ask people to bring stuff. You don't want them to bring things that are like, hi, ding dong. I need this to be in the oven at 325. I had a friend like that that would always bring something. Well, why'd yep. they call you ding dong? Hi, ding, ding, ding dong. dong. They rang on the doorbell. Ding dong. I need to get in your kitchen. Uh -huh. If you're bringing something to someone's house, ask ahead of time, but don't show up with something that needs to be on the stove or that requires a lot of preparation or ha no host yeah. wants to be like- an area. I need, I should have to go in your oven. I had a friend that used to do that. And I think it was a total weird fucking power move. So bottle of wine, a dessert, take it fucking out of the Trader Joe's box, stick it in a jar, whatever. Um, and just know that you're there to be with your friends. In terms of cleanliness, you need a spotless bathroom and a spotless sitting area. Nobody expects your house to be perfect. You just want people to be comfortable. I feel like you should write a book called A Spotless Bathroom. A spotless bathroom, bathroom. Stories of someone who didn't eat much. Hi, Emily, Eliza. follow up to your, uh, your theme restaurant, The Painted Bowl. <laughs> I'm a new mom with a five-month-old who's starting solids. I'd like her to make her food myself, but I'm getting stumped on what other foods to feed her besides sweet potato, carrots, and avocado. What did you feed your little one when she was starting out? Is there... Is it an anything can be pureed situation? Thanks for the tips. Love to show, love the show. Best of luck with the cookbook. Kate from Pennsylvania. 
So yeah, what I like to, what I have found that I like to do is obviously you start to learn what kind of stuff your baby likes more than others. Also, just Noah makes all of Sierra's baby food. This is true. It's very cute. Um, and uh, so what I'll do is is uh, I'll cook a lot of stuff together and then I'll freeze it, freeze parts of it, and then make another batch so I can have like different rotations uh, in and out of the. Excuse me, out of the freezer. Um, so for me, uh, I find like one of her favorite things in the world is like some combination of rice and beans with a vegetable. But I do a lot of lentils, rices, beans. Uh, one of my popular ones for her was like I would do like spinach, rice, beans, sweet potatoes, all cooked together, maybe a little bit of onion, blend that stuff up. Uh, yeah, but a lot of legumes, a lot of things of that nature. I, I give her a little bit of meat from time to time, but not much. Um, we're kind of just seeing what she's into and uh and yeah and as we get older as she gets older and we get older, um, older. i kind of go through what the version that my mom always did growing up which is that whatever we're having for dinner they're having for dinner so you take a little bit of it out you maybe beat it up in the food process for a minute or chop it up a little bit you know today she had some uh, turkey meatballs and spaghetti and tomato sauce that we made for uh, from the cookbook and she slurped it up and she now- likes it when i put the noodle in my mouth and feed her like a baby bird I missed that part, but... Uh, Don't worry, I'll show you later. Do it to me. First, thank you both so much for doing DPP. It gave me something to look forward to during the early dark days of the pandemic. I love getting creative in the kitchen and your videos make it feel like we're going to get through this together. I love that. Here's the situation. My boyfriend and I live together. I'm a vegetarian and he is an omnivore. My boyfriend is not a picky eater, but does not enjoy cooking complex meals for himself. To him, cooking is a means to an end and does not find pleasure in eating the meals he makes for himself. Not because they don't taste good, but because he does not find any joy in eating. I, however, love to cook and bake and routinely do so for myself and others. My boyfriend and I go grocery shopping together, but we essentially end up with two separate carts. Mine is filled with specific ingredients purchased for a couple of thoughtfully researched meals I plan throughout the week, and his is filled with staple foods he eats every week. Okay, I feel like you dated me. My question is, how can we enjoy cooking together? We sit down at the table together to eat separate meals, and I want to share something with him that we'll both love. The biggest hurdle is not incorporating meat into the dinners. I make hearty, flavorful, plant-based meals, but he doesn't feel as satisfied if meat is not included. Thank you so much. I can't wait for your book. The minestrone and crowdy beans are my favorite recipes. Sarah. Also, please come back to Portland, Maine. Bought tickets pre-pandemic to see you in Boston, which was fire, but your Maine fans would greatly appreciate you traveling a little farther north. I did. I was in Maine like a couple months ago. I have the hat to prove it. She's a Mainer. All right. Um, I think that, uh, well, so every meal your boyfriend has to eat has to have meat in it? That seems. I was like that when I met you. I thought everything had to have chicken in it. Yeah. Well, and so there's a lot of things that you can uh, make that don't have meat in them. Then you could make a piece of meat and have it with it. So you could make a nice pasta and then you could could sear uh, off or roast some chicken breast and then slice it up and put it on top of the pasta on the side. So there's lots of things like that. Or you make like a a noodle salad and you could make a – like sear some some skirt steak and put that with it too. So there's lots of ways to incorporate in that regard. Or if you made like a – a big chopped salad with lots of veggies, like the veggie-loaded chopped salad from the Don't Panic Pantry cookbook, then you could also separately buy some salami, dice that up, fold it into his, and now you've got uh, a uh, chopped salad with salami in it and a chopped salad with no meat in it. So I think that's kind of a way of doing it, trying to think about dishes that uh, meat could be added in as an accoutrement for the other person if they really demand and having protein there uh, with them. I will say, like... I doesn't if he doesn't like cooking, like I'm someone that doesn't enjoy cooking. And by enjoy, like I just don't have the passion for it that Noah does, but I've learned to appreciate a lot of it. And I'm just wondering, like, maybe it's just not his thing and he truly doesn't care and he can just eat your food and you can he can have a chicken breast on the side. But weirdly yeah, like, I still don't enjoy watching RuPaul's drag race, but I love my wife. Yes, you sit next to me and watch a basketball game on your computer. Why don't you guys watch like chef's table together or like watch some food porn and then like see if that gets them excited. But it also just may not be a thing. Or just watch regular porn and see if that gets them excited. While you're eating. But yeah, I don't think you need to make somebody uh, enjoy cooking if they don't enjoy it. But you can try to find a way to limit your load so you're not like cooking separate dinners. Yeah, that's silly. Just his should be like a supplement of chicken. Hi, Emily, Eliza, Noah, and gang. Question for Noah. What types of meals would he recommend for my husband and me to eat together? Spaghetti sandwiches. This is similar. I'm a former vegetarian who now eats chicken and turkey, but is a beginner level cook, as in I need to follow a recipe. 
I don't have the confidence to come up with something on the fly. My husband eats chicken, but is generally a mean potatoes eater and is not very experimental. We're generally busy with work and commuting during the week. So time is short and we end up ordering takeout a lot. Love you, Jill in New Jersey. Liza, I'm visiting my mom in Florida in March. Got tickets to see you at the Hard Rock in Hollywood. I've seen you a few times before, but it's my mom's first time. Get ready, Linda. So is the question, what are some things that you can make that- uh, You can eat together. She's a beginner level cook. She'll eat chicken and turkey and he's a meat and potatoes guy. I mean, boy, do I have a uh, real convenient cookbook that's coming out on January 31st. That All right. Has, give, us, give us a recipe. I'm just saying there's a lot Ooh, of- turkey pasta. The turkey pasta is great. That's uh, very meaty. Turkey meatballs, you can have that with a little a little side with some pasta. The, turkey, the mostly vegetarian chili. It's got a little bit of beef in it, but you could just add that beef later. Yeah, it's a barely beef chili with lots of lentils and vegetables. So it's a super nutritious uh, bowl of, uh, of of chili-ish chili that uh, is super loaded with vegetables and has some protein in it, but uh, is not just a giant pile of meat. Noah, have you heard of the engagement chicken? It's an Ina Garten roasted whole chicken recipe. And apparently if you make it for your BFGF, you will be proposed to in the near, near future. What do you think of this? And do you have a recipe that you think would help someone get engaged? You got a couple uh, divorce recipes. Yeah, I, you know, look, I, uh, I mean, congratulations if that works. And I've, I've heard of this. Yeah, but there's also like the like the like the give birth salad and all that Which kind I of stuff too. I've tried eating several times. Yeah, but um, yeah, I, uh, you know, I, 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 in my experience, it's a little more of a, of a, of a, of like a get laid dish than a, than a get engaged dish. Ooh. You know, when you want to impress somebody and you're having them over to your house for a date, which really at that point, you probably have a pretty good idea of how it's going. It's weird to go on a first date, like come over to my house to eat dinner. What? That being said, I have had a first date with somebody where they came over to the house to eat dinner, but. And how's that going? Uh, well, we have a secret family together and uh, they're doing okay. Secret family under your floorboards. <laughs> so, so no, no, because you have a one pan chicken in the. Yes, I do have a, uh, a miso roast chicken with vegetables. That's super tasty. There's a uh, sort of a, a crispy, spicy uh, chicken in the recipe book as well, in the recipe book, in the cookbook as well. So there's lots of fun ways to do that stuff. But yeah, I, you know, look, uh, I think. If you think you're going to get engaged and you want to make a chicken to tell a story about it after, be my guest. If you think, if somebody proposes to you because of a chicken dish you made, that's not, that's not the person for you. Then that's some tasty chicken. Should we give them the warning about the miso chicken? What, to not give it to your dog? Yeah. We're not, we don't know. We just say don't give it to our dog. Don't give our dog miso chicken because it will give her instant diarrhea. Not instant. It came out though. It was... It was, you know, but it was within that digestive cycle. Question for Noah. Have you had a time that someone tried to impress you or smugly one-up you with their cooking and it was just horrendous? Ooh. You're so not egotistical about these things. So maybe it's like a party or like someone trying to like big time you. I mean, I've- Yeah, it's I less know, that because like I- you know, honestly, anytime- It's like you walk in and men just like open up their buttholes. They're like, yeah, chef, please help. Although, I mean, anytime anybody cooks for me, like I'm just very happy to have That's food true. somebody else made. That's true. Uh, I would say the thing that is more annoying is not um, the being one-upped by somebody, but when someone realizes that I care about food, so they start describing in detail something they made once yes. or a restaurant they went to. Yes. And it's very sweet, comes from the right place. It is often my mom, but it is still, <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes I'm just like, yeah, all right. So you sauteed the garlic? Yeah. Can I please let me out? <laughs> when you ask someone what language they took in school, usually it's like with an eye roll. They're like, mm, French. It's like, do you speak French? No, I don't use it. I feel like a lot of us had difficulties learning a language in school. Rosetta Stone is here to change that. It's available on desktop and it can be used as an app on your phone or your tablet. Rosetta Stone are trusted experts for more than 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways with an intuitive process and you can pick up any language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. 
Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. That's right. You might even fool some locals into thinking you're one of them. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. I headed to Mexico City for a little vacation, and I used Rosetta Stone to brush up on my Spanish. Just a few things, few verbs that I knew I had forgotten, and I was better. Mejor. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Ask Eliza Anything listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Eliza. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Eliza today. I do think there's something to be said for ordering something of quality and every once in a while getting a nice package in the mail with a product that you're going to own for a long time. Let me tell you about Bolin Branch's signature sheets because they're the perfect way to start upgrading your sleep, your room, the look of your room because they're designed to feel incredible for all sleepers. They are made with the finest 100% organic cotton. These sheets feel buttery soft yet super breathable and they're perfect for warmer summer months ahead. We have a house that we go to in the summer and I got all Bolin Branch sheets for the beds because we're having a lot of guests this year and I want them to feel like they're at a nice bed and breakfast that they didn't have to pay for. Bolin Branch sheets are free from toxins like synthetic pesticides, formaldehyde. I bet you didn't know that was in your sheets. And their signature sheets come in 14 versatile colors and they come in sizes from twin all the way up to California King. And Bolin Branch has a 30-night worry-free guarantee, which means you can wash, style, and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them for any reason, you can send them right back with free returns on all U.S. orders. Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bowl and Branch. Go to bowlandbranch.com slash Eliza for 15% off your first sheet set, plus free shipping. That's Bowl and Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com slash Eliza for 15% off. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Sam underscore Sid underscore cats at play. Hello, cast and crew. Are there any foods that either of you love that the other one hates or hated when you met? Have you converted the other into a lover of that dish? Or do you just eat this food, his food, whenever you're not together? Eliza, is there a dish that Noah makes that you could eat every day that isn't in the cookbook? A lot of questions. Let's talk about it. There's a lot of stuff that you don't really eat that I do. I think I eat a wider range of certain things. I'm into maybe slightly funkier things, certainly some weirder cuts of meat, things of that nature. I will say there's a lot of stuff that Eliza uh, was not into that she still doesn't crave necessarily, but that she uh, is like the, pretty much every time we would do a domain pantry, be like, I don't know if I'm going to like this. You know what? This is actually really good. I eat a uh, lot more sugar than you. You do eat a lot more sugar than me. We uh, I'm more open to sugar. I will say it's one of the the toughest things in our relationship is that you know uh, I've got a, a pretty high alcohol tolerance, and uh, Eliza often won't finish a drink that she orders. But the one drink what? she often won't finish a drink that you order. Okay. Often. Often. Sometimes. <laughs> often. Sometimes. Rarely. Meatballs. It depends on where we are and what we're doing. Sure. Anyway, okay. my point is. Uh, it is real bummer oh, that this is cute. the only uh, one of the only things that you order as a drink is one of the only drinks that I really don't want to drink. That is true. You are uh, you are a equal opportunity eater, but you are repulsed by my drink of choice, which is a very dirty vodka on the rocks with blue cheese olives. You hate the dirty olive juice. You definitely don't want blue cheese stuffed olives. Yeah, I'm like a classic gin martini, and I don't like done gin. properly. And uh, and yeah, you want. Like a cloudy uh, bog. I want brine. I want murky brine water with a drop of vodka in it. With like uh, with uh, with cheese curls. With cheese milk. Yeah. Um. I like that. I'm trying to think of any food that you love. The other one hates. I just think I'm more willing to eat. You'll. I think I've made you a little bit more garbagey. Like I'll be having a snack and you'll creep in and be like, "What's that? A snack?" Uh. Yeah. I like some some garbage from time to time. But I yeah, love- I'm. I can. There's certain stuff that I'll, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll be a little more, a little more up for. But. I think I'm more into eating. I definitely appreciate certain foods, and I, there are certain foods that I won't eat now because my taste buds have gotten better. Uh, I probably eat a little bit more tomatoes now than I ever did before. But there are certain animals like I'm just, I don't want lamb. I don't want veal. I don't like dark meat chicken. Get that like opie, but you do like some dark meat chicken. Yeah, sometimes. it's whatever. You know what? I'm not. I, I vacillate between like, am I picky and not that picky. Uh, and is there a dish that he makes every that I could eat every day that's not in the cookbook? 
Well, everything that he makes, I eat every day because he makes all my meals. There are some new comfort foods you've discovered over time. Like it uh, turns out uh, soborodon is one of your favorites now. It's a little ground chicken rice bowl, classic Japanese home comfort food. Um, I will say, I talk about this in the book, there's uh, Eliza claims to have no comfort foods. She doesn't have these like specific memories of food she ate growing up that when she's not feeling well, she wants them. Yeah. But I will say one time she was sick and three nights in a row she wanted uh, angel hair pasta with my uh, uh, blended tomato sauce, which is in the cookbook under Eliza's tomato sauce with smoked mozzarella. And oh, you went to town on it. Uh, that's another thing. You don't like angel hair pasta. It's fine. I don't. You don't like any of my treasured things. It's not that I don't like it. It's that it's not my. I, I will happily eat it. It's not on the the top of my of my pasta list. My Eliza Smoky Husky baby arm, teeny chin, and tiny tree frog. I have a modern lady question. Wow. How old do I sound? But first, thank you so much for DPP. I did it nearly every day and I can't wait for my personalized coffee to arrive in the mail. Oh, that's so exciting. You guys are really made staying home feel less lovely and depressing. I think they meant whatever. You know what she meant. More lovely, less depressing. More lovely, less depressing. You really did more than just teach us to make delicious food. I'm a 35 female who's in a forever relationship, but not married. I just don't believe it. eating a forever chemical. (laughs) I just don't believe in it. That's just me. Not a judgment. Uh, you don't even have to say that. You don't have to. That's such a girl thing. Like, and no one's judging me. You're allowed to be like, I don't like marriage. That's okay. Uh, my partner and I recently bought our first home. This market is insane and somehow we made it happen. It's tough after making such a big purchase to get all the things we need or, you know, would make the place nice. We're renovating, like removing the walls, sealing everything, but doing the work ourselves. Question. Can I make a housewarming registry for us? People tell me it's tacky, but I've given gifts and celebrated other people's successes. Just because I'm not married, it's tacky to celebrate mine. It feels invalidating. What should I do? Thanks. Cooking in a kitchen with only plyboard countertops for now. Christine. Well, may I recommend starting a live stream cooking show and then getting your own sponsors? Then those sponsors send you uh, a I'll handle this one. And we've all seen that episode of Sex in the City. And Carrie's like, I've celebrated all your things. You got to come to my fake wedding. You absolutely deserve to throw yourself a housewarming party and have a registry. You are not going to get married. I don't know if you're going to have kids, but yeah, it is. It's archaic to be like, you only are celebrated when you're in a heterosexual relationship or only celebrated when you have done the thing society asks. You aren't asking for a party every other day. You're making a huge commitment, a financial one, which is frankly bigger than committing just your heart. And you definitely deserve to be celebrated. And it's not like it's mandatory. Like people cannot give you anything. Hey, welcome to our housewarming party. We're going to have food, drinks, whatever. This is a registry. Think of it like our wedding. Good news is you'll never have to come to our wedding. I don't, I can't imagine a friend not wanting to get you a gift. Yeah. And if they don't, then they don't. Yeah. And also like, it's not like you're registering for like $800 appliances. Like you probably just want some nice things and you deserve it. You deserve to feel celebrated. I'm fully on board with that. And that's a great way to find out who your real friends are. Remember the first podcast we did together? It was uh, in like a casino in Buffalo in a hotel room. I think I, I was drinking at the beginning of it. Syracuse. And by the time we got to the end of uh, of the podcast, I was uh, nice and tipped. We had a nice time. Wasn't it in Syracuse? Wasn't it at the end of our fall vacation? I think so. I don't know. Hey, Emily, Eliza, Noah, Tianfu, and Sierra. I have a question that has to do with some food and my relationship. Here's my context. Oh boy. I'm 33, Filipino, and married to my Caucasian husband who I've been with for almost 15 years. During the majority of our relationship, we would eat out at fast food joints and restaurants four to six times a week. Yes. He grew up similarly as he and his sister were involved in extracurricular and often ate quickly whilst being shuttled to and from hockey and dance. I did not grow up this way and my single mom would make larger meals that we would eat a few more times throughout the week. My husband says he hates eating leftovers Ew. You kind of don't eat leftovers that much. That's not true. Don't even say that. I'm not like creative with them, but I will eat leftovers. Yeah, but not like uh, if I make a big pot of minestrone soup, you're not eating it four times that week. Because I don't want to eat minestrone soup in the first place. I often end up having to eat an unfit. I often end up having to eat any unfinished food or have to throw it out later. Now we have two young kids, one and three years old, and we're trying to eat at home more. We're cooking at least three dinners a week, but my skill comfort level with food is usually the same seven meals recycled. My husband will sometimes eat a bit of leftovers, but for only for lunch the next day, never beyond that. Question, how can we try and extend a cooked meal past one day? Example, I reuse leftover taco meat and mix it with rice and cheese to use as stuffing for stuffed peppers the following next day. Can I do that with anything else? Is there anything I can do to curb the easier yet more expensive choice of eating dinner out 
For the other four nights a week, Love Don't Panic Pantry, the Caprese Salad Pasta is now a summer staple. Ooh. Can't wait for the book to come out. Kristen, Instagram, K-B-E-I, triple a uh well first of all uh get him to cook sometimes but yeah. also uh one of the 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 big keys to uh i think a lot of this is using your freezer so making something like let's mm. say it's a pasta sauce that you can make a big batch of and then you can rather than just leave it in the fridge try to use it before it goes bad freeze it while it's still fresh and then a week later, two weeks later, you can now have something again that you would have had to eat three days in a row. Instead, you space it out for three different meals over three or four weeks by freezing it and then defrosting it in time to be able to have it later. So that way you can kind of cook a larger batch and space things out. I love, you know, because some stuff is easier to make a lot of or just as easy to make a lot of as it is a small amount. Also, like, what's this thing where you're like, I don't want the same thing three days in a row. I do it all the time. Something's tasty. You got to get more of it. That's right. You know what you call it? Noah calls it al-boshing. Uh, yeah. There's a Middle Eastern restaurant firehouse called al-bosh where it's like kebabs and rice and garlic sauce, like just traditional Lebanese, Middle Eastern, whatever. And it was so good the first time I had it that I ordered it three nights in a row. And, and then the third night you got double chicken. I got double chicken. And then you were like, I don't know if this place is actually that good. And I was like, you all botched it. You had it three nights in a row and then all of a sudden you're like, I don't know if I like it that much anymore. Yeah, so be and careful so, don't all bosh it. Yeah, I tell her not to all bosh it when, you, she, when she has the same thing. to Don't time. all bosh your husband. Don't all bosh time with your husband. <laughs> Hello, AIA gang. I've been a huge fan of Liza's since Freezing Hot came out on Netflix. My friends and I have all, have all of your specials practically memorized and you have certainly shaped my life for the better. So thank you. I have a question that I would love your input on. It has to do with food. So I could use Noah's, be used for the Noah episode. <laughs> Context. I'm 26, female. I'm currently living in Maryland where for my residency. Yes, I have a master's in healthcare, but not nursing. My residency is set to finish in June. And I'm planning on moving in for the first time with my boyfriend of four years. 28, male, in Connecticut. <laughs> We've been doing long distance for about two years. He's very conscious about what he eats due to an autoimmune disease and has recently been trying a carnivore diet. What? He just eats live animals? He only I eats carnivores. I tend to eat a much more veggie-based diet and have been considered doing vegetarian again or at least severely limiting my meat intake. While our eating habits have not really been an issue, long distance, I'm worried how it will play out when we're living together. Question, do you think eating habits slash diets can be a friction starter and or deal breaker in the long run? It's not really an issue when we go out to eat because we can order our own things. My concern is living together. I don't want either of us to have to cook separate meals or more dishes or do more dishes to feed ourselves. Thank yeah. you, Courtney. I mean, that's the issue is if you're going to eat different things for dinner and you're going to make them at home, you have to cook two different things. Uh, you know, as per the previous question, we got about a similar thing. You could, uh, you know, make a piece of meat separately, add it onto a dish. But if he's trying to eat like primarily meat, if it's like this carnivorous diet, um, then, you know, you might have to kind of treat it that way and you might have to cook separate meals. And, you know, maybe you're a little more game for uh, stretching meals out and eating them throughout the week. You can make a pot of soup or something that you can eat throughout the week and then you don't have to do it too much. But yeah, there's not really a way around uh, eating two separate meals and not having to make two separate meals. That's a rough one. But, but yeah, also, as long as you build that into the time and you understand that's what's going to have to be As long as you're eating together, like food doesn't have to be a shared passion. As long as you're consuming your food together... Or you don't eat together and everything else you do is together. You make it your own. But there, I mean, if we've learned anything from the questions asked today, plenty of people have different diets than their partners and they're doing okay. Yeah. Yeah. It just, you know, takes more time to cook two things than it does to take one thing. I, Eliza, know and crew. I love seeing Eliza rule the board on Jeopardy. Oh, thanks. My spouse, 34, male, recently started overhauling his diet in response to high cholesterol on a blood test. He generally cooks, which I appreciate, though now I, a butter-loving and mayo enthusiast, 30 female, am now subject to this too. Are there some dishes you recommend that would be healthy for him and satisfying for someone who prefers heavy, rich foods? I like that it's the girl that likes heavy, rich foods. It feels like an impossible task to find middle ground. Thanks for your help. Kind regards, Victoria. I mean, uh, the good news is it certainly won't be the worst thing in the world for people who eat a lot of heavy, rich food to eat uh, less heavy and rich food. Uh, but you can also, uh, you know, always uh, add a little add a little butter to yours at the end of the dish. Um, so, yeah, or, you know, maybe it's a matter of making uh, sort of a more satisfying side to go with it that you're more excited about. Like if you make a, 
a, you know, a healthy, low fat meal. Maybe you make a, a big slab of buttery garlic bread for you to eat on the side or something like that. Um, you can treat it that way. Um, but in terms of stuff that's, I mean, it's hard to know without really knowing your taste, but there's a lot of stuff that's not super rich and super uh, heavy that I am deeply satisfied with. Um, and you know, it could be something else too. Like, uh, like you make the you make like a nice like turkey meat sauce that's kind of light and refreshing and delicious and maybe you know you eat it with a whole bunch of cheese on it on top of pasta and maybe he eats it you know over some lentils or something. Gino writes wrote me a very nice note, but I'm just going to condense this for time. I do most of the cooking. It's not a problem because fuck gender stereotypes, am I right? And I absolutely love sautéing a good onion as the base of my recipes. There are two problems to this: our studio apartment where after some minutes, the entire place smells like onion. And more importantly, my wife can't bear both the smell and the ensuing stinging in her eyes, which I get kind of like a fart. If you're the one causing the smell explosion, you don't mind so much, but a third-party bystander might mind it a bit more, unless you're into that. So my question is, are there types of onions that sting a little less? Or are there any alternatives to onions to start your sauteing? I hope there's a legit answer because I don't want to have to write back in a few years with the email title, Divorce Over Onion. Take care. Gino! Um, well, uh, <laughs> there are a few ways to do it. Uh, actually, I have a friend who's a chef whose uh, wife uh, can't eat onions, and so he ends up cooking with a lot of fennel, which kind of gives you some of that vibe, but it's not as intense smelling. Um, it's very different. Um, you know, I think I read somewhere about like if you like rinsing onions after you cut them makes them smell less, uh, make you less watery. But uh, I think at the end of the day, you know, onions are onions. And they are delicious and they're very good for you. So, you know, maybe it's a matter of opening a window and putting a fan in the kitchen. So it's kind of just blowing this, this stuff out, out the window. But if you live in a small place without much ventilation, that's that's tough. Uh, that's just kind of one of those things. Maybe you can... Uh, Do you have any uh, a hood or any sort of like fan on your stove? Another cool trick, if you could oh, find an out. outlet outside... And yeah. I do this sometimes with Eliza with things if I wanted to make like a fish stock or something. Oh, it's is, so sad looking. Is Well, because you just don't love the smell of like a lot of fish going on in the house is I'll get a, you can go online and buy an induction burner, which you can plug in and works really, really well. And you could actually just set it up outside somewhere, run an extension cord and uh, plug it in and uh, and cook your onions outside. And now you, you did it. It's, you know, we have new wallpaper. I don't want it peeling because of the fish stink. Yeah. Hi, it's a really sad to look outside and see you like hovered over the induction burner all for your family. Yeah, it's okay. He's like, I like being alone. I listen to this podcast. Hi, Eliza, Noah, Emily. If she's there in this episode, she's not. And we babies, human and animal. Have you guys ever eaten at Noma? And what do you think about their closing slash reason behind it? Essentially that it's uh, unsustainable to pay staff a living wage. I've seen that apparently a lot of fine dining restaurants are use unpaid, underpaid interns, which I was unaware of. Lies, I've seen you three times, twice in D.C., once at the Comedy Cellar in New York. And meeting you last time was so fun. Looking forward to your next tour. P.S. I have an 18-month-old daughter who's obsessed with the intro to this podcast. We listen together. She eats her lunch, her little lunch, and starts dancing whenever the theme plays. Emily, adorable. Uh, I have eaten at Noma. Eliza has not because she was on stage while I was at Noma. But, um, yeah. It, also, I was pregnant and didn't want to eat a deer brain. Thanks. Um, also, reindeer brain. Um, but it's... Uh, yeah, it was very good, but it's also, I mean, the Michelin restaurant thing, this business model is is pretty unsustainable. And uh, I think in general, uh, people are not paid enough who work in restaurants and it is a kind of big issue that's going on. And so uh, everybody wants everyone to get paid a living wage, but then nobody wants to pay for uh, expensive food. And so I, you know, I've got a bunch of theories about this stuff and beliefs and things like that. But at the end of the day, uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense as a business model to have a restaurant where the number of people on the staff is the same as the number of people in the restaurant. And it is still incredibly expensive and it is still uh, not sustainable. And so if it's not sustainable, then maybe it doesn't get to exist. And and uh, I think that there's a lot of, uh, you know, abusive workplace things happening in various restaurants around the world. Hopefully it is getting better. I think that people are taking advantage of many situations and uh, people, you know, it, what that kind of ends up doing is it puts people in a position where, you know, like in so many industries, 
only people who have uh, a rich financial background through their family are able to do these amazing free jobs where they go work for people that then lead to other jobs because whether that's, you know, in Hollywood and being an intern in various places that I think that, you know, that's just kind of one of those things that maybe needs to change. Um, but I will say we did have the uh, unbelievable good fortune of eating at a restaurant in Iceland. Oh man, I told them about it and the German couple. Which but was the awesome. coolest part about that restaurant was I was talking to the staff there. Shout and, out to the name of the restaurant. Uh, Ox. 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 And they're only, everybody who works there only works four days a week. They don't have a dishwashing station or from a, like a dedicated, dedicated dishwasher. They treat each other really well, or at least they all said that they did to, to me at the cool. time. But they were all like really kind of lovely people. They work together. They work four days a week. They have three days off in the restaurant business. Those four days are long days, but they're all paid to be there. That's very Scandinavian to be like, and we have three days off for enjoyment and relaxing. And they used to have interns and they stopped doing it. And so like, if you can find a way to pull it off and charge the way you have to for it to happen, then that's great. Uh, but if you can't and it doesn't happen, then... So be it. But, you know, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of big issues in the way that our, our, our food systems work, the way that our economy is set up in all these kind of ways. And as a result, people get taken advantage of. I mean, think about the fact that you're able to order something online on Amazon and have it show up two days later for an incredibly low price. Uh, and the, you know, billionaires keep getting richer and the people who are delivering that package are running themselves ragged. And so, you know, people... People will get taken advantage of if uh, if if people don't stop them from doing it. So support places that uh, do things the right way and and try to hope for the best. Support Vote your with your dollars. Snackery. Do I salt my pasta water before or after it boils? I like to salt it right before the pasta goes in because what happens sometimes if you salt it. Um, Early on, then you get distracted. You end up not cooking the pasta for a few more minutes than you expected. The water level starts to evaporate, and now you end up with overly salty water. So I like to salt it right before I put the pasta in. Put the salt in, taste it for seasoning. I'm a big believer that pasta water uh, should be salted like a well-seasoned broth, not like the sea, because also which sea? You know, is it uh, the Dead Sea? Is it? Uh, is it? Uh, what's a what's a low salt? Is it a freshwater sea? ocean? A freshwater ocean. Is it a bathtub? Is it a dirty bathtub? Noah, I need yes. some basic cooking help from Noah. How do I make the perfect chicken breast? I like to make batches ahead of time and eat throughout the week for salads, sandwiches, pastas, etc. But it always dry out to begin with when I reheat it, so it just becomes dry hunks of meat. What's the best? What's best to season, marinate? Best way to cook it? Also, I love salmon, and sometimes I take it for lunch the next day. What's the best way to keep that from drying out as well? So here's the thing. Uh, with chicken breast, I honestly almost never reheat it. I'd rather eat cold, properly cooked chicken breast the next day than uh, heat it up. I'd rather slice it up, put it into something, eat it that way, I feel that put way it into fish. a salad. Yeah. When you reheat it, it's just, it's going to dry it out. It smells. Yeah. Also, um, and so, uh, and in terms of not drying it up when you're cooking it, there's like everyone loves to give you these tricks. I can tell when meat's done, and yeah, sure. If you work on a on the line in a restaurant, you cook the same piece of meat every night four hundred times, and you know exactly what it's supposed to feel like. Congratulations! But I'll tell you what, guys, get a instant read uh, meat thermometer, a instant thermometer. It will tell you the internal temperature. You can look up the temperature you want it to be at to get it exactly how you want it. And you take it out and it's perfect. And that is the trick. These, uh, there's like, there's this like, macho. you know, macho dad bro mentality of like, nah, I can tell. I can and it's like, it. Oh yeah, you know when this lamb loin is done that you've never cooked before because you just are a magician. Uh, I think that that's, uh, that's, that's like macho bullshit. And I, I uh, reject it. I believe in a meat thermometer and uh, you do it the way that you like it, and then you try to get reproducible conditions. So when you really get to use, used to doing something in your kitchen, find the ways you like to do it, and then try to recreate those conditions so that you can make it the way you want it every day. There is this like inextricable connection between men and their, not man, but men and like their relationship to meat and like the more meat you handle, the more manly you are. And uh, I remember when we first started dating, not for, I guess, yeah, we were dating a little bit. I don't remember what it was exactly. And you were, you had just, you were fresh out of working at Bloodsoes and you are a pit master. We're a pit master. You know, you open up this huge barbecue restaurant. You've trained people. I've been cooked a lot up. of barbecue in my life. Some guy said something like trying to big time you because you're not an in your face guy. Like you're just quiet and like 
you're confident. And I just remember, like, because you're never going to go, like, tip to tip, toe to toe with a guy. You're like, I don't do that. It's, so, called, it's called docking. Yeah, you're never going to dock another guy. You said, say, so he said something about masculinity, and you were just like, cool, I smoke whole animals. Like, it's like, sink, boop. Yeah, I, you know, uh, I forgot what the question was now, but yeah, I. It's unrelated. I was just saying it was pretty hot. Uh, thank you. Yeah, you handle that meat. You got to handle that meat. And, you know, I, I just, yeah, I believe in, and that's funny. Like, I find that also, like, a lot of the people who are really, really good at things like that are not the ones who are, have a lot of, like, bravado about it. It's the guy, it's like the the weekend warrior amateurs who like to talk about how great they are all the time. I think it's funny too, because we live in LA where like your personality is your diet restriction, but you take dietary restrictions so seriously just having worked in restaurants. And I always think it's so funny because I'll be like, we're going to have this couple over. And you're like, I need to know dietary restrictions. And usually people ask that or say that and like, we're uncomfortable and you're like, you're like, I'm preparing a meal. I'm scheduling it. I need to know. Yeah. I got to figure out what we're going to make. You got to reverse engineer your dinner. You got to plan you it take all it out. so seriously. You're not like, well, this is what we're making. It's very cute. Yeah. Well, I, what, it's worse if you come and they go, oh, actually, uh, I don't eat whatever that thing is you made. And then all of a sudden I'm scrambling to make them crowdy beans. Guess what time it is. Time to get lit. Top of the cop. It's the top of the cop. We're doing it right. Every day, you just take a bite, top of the cob. Oh, wow. Is that, that bite so fast? Is it, that's, why, that's the Eliza effect. Wow. Before you even know it, you're out. What? You want to start with top or bottom of the cob? Uh, let's start with a bottom of the cob. My bottom of the cob, I'll go first, is something I'm calling little dish culture. Every cute store, every tchotchke store, every like femme forward store, I might go into a gift shop, uh, it's just replete with little dishes. You don't have enough crap for all of these dishes that they want you to be buying. Everything is like a hand-thrown local potter, tiny dish, tiny bowl, tiny jar. We don't have enough tiny things in our lives that you that require more than one of these. And you look at them and you're like, oh, I need these dishes. But then your house is just filled with tiny little dishes and bowls. Little dish. There's something very feminine about it. You go to a man's house, they're never going to have a little dish. Get a big dish. One big dish. We all put our, we all get off right in that dish. <laughs> we all eat cereal out of this one big bowl. It's all I got. What's your bottom of the cob? Uh, my bottom of the cob is the uh, POS system square. Now, you may or may not know that you even uh, interact with it all the time. Oh, but uh, square is one of those, what's one of those POSs where you go, you buy something at a restaurant or at a, at a shop and then they flip the screen over and yada, 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 and you use your credit card, and then it, like, automatically sends you an email with your receipt, and you're like, wow, I just used my credit card. How does it have my email? Because Square has your email. And then it also, when they automatically register you for their mailer, oh, that drives should me be illegal. crazy. I went to a coffee shop in Tucson once, and now I got to find out about your update for the spring. I took a Pilates class in Australia pre-pandemic. I'm still on their email list. And you got to go through it unsubscribe. But you, you should yeah. have to opt in things like that. This mandatory uh, email sign up thing is- uh, Also, when they're like, fine, please re-enter your email. I'm like, why? So you can, like, you already have it. And when I feel like I have to type it in, I'm like, I feel like I'm signing up for more things. Yeah. It's, yeah. Top of the cob. Not me, you? I'll go first. That way we can end on you. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to give too much away, but I was lucky enough to be on the PBS show Finding Your Roots. I'm not going to spoil anything, but I have to tell you. But we are the Queen of England. I am the Queen of England. Uh, I'm the captain now. Schlesinger, not German. I'm 100% pure Ashkenazi Jew, specifically almost 100% Polish. Or as uh, James Gandolfini in The Sopranos calls it, an you're, Ash you're an Ashkenaz. Ashkenaz. Uh, yeah, everybody goes in hoping for like part Japanese princess, part Dutch. Everybody goes in. Everybody goes in wanting to hear that you're something cool. Full on Western Russia, so technically Poland, but Poland wasn't always Poland. It was just part of Western Russia, but like full on Polish, 100% Ashkenazi Jew. There was never a chance, not, everyone's like, maybe I'm like 1% Caribbean. Nope. This is your top of the cob? Is how- Is is that, sorry, the top of the cob is that I found out that Schlesinger is Polish. Oh, yes, yes, it's yes, not, yes. It was like Schlesinger, it was his own thing, but it's not German. Yeah. Not German. I identify with none of that. I'm Polish now. 
So get uh, ready. My top of the cob is actually kind of a two-pronged top of the cob. Uh, the uh, Over the weekend, all of the books came in to now serving here in LA, uh, which is an amazing, uh, a small independent bookstore owned by a uh, amazing couple, uh, Ken and Michelle, and they have this beautiful place. And so we did all these uh, pre-orders for personalized copies um, that people could sign up for. It is too late now, but you can still order uh, signed copies through them if you want to. But uh, so the first part of it is just how amazing uh, uh, you are. My wife, who came with me and signed all of these books with me. We didn't tell people that you were going to sign the books, but we knew that they wanted it. So, uh, or I did. And so we went through to do all this stuff and to sign all these books. And we had this, like, it was 480 books we signed uh, together. And then the other part of my top of the cob was just how many people from all over the country, some people, there were people in Germany, people in Canada who reached out and they wanted personalized copies of this book. And we got to see all the people who bought this book from all over. And that's just this one store here in LA. Yeah. And it was just so touching. All the people who uh, are enthusiastic about this, I'm getting amazing DMs about it. Yeah. And it's just so touching and so cool. And uh, and really makes those of you who did not by the book look like real turds. Real so, turf, you know, real you better, bad. Uh, you better fix that. R- I will right tell away. you, having done a book tour as someone who, this this sounds shitty, but I was as like, a woman, as a woman who's done a book tour, who signs thousands and thousands of posters. And I've had two books. I have really enjoyed just from the sidelines watching you. Watching the little guinea pig with his pearls on. Watching you as the beautiful little mouse with his pearls on, looking at himself in the mirror, realizing how beautiful you are with your beautiful book and seeing you get excited about all the promo stuff and signing the stuff. And I'm just, I'm happy I get to watch it Uh, and reap the benefits. It's nice to finally... uh, have something to promote. No. Uh, <laughs> so I have something to be proud of. Finally. Yeah, and it's just, it's a very exciting thing. And I put so much work into this book and so much love and care. And there's so much stuff that's so personal and tied into my family and our family. My mom's recipes are, are filled within the book. My mom is in the book. There's my favorite photo in the book is one of Tian Fu sleeping under the counter. It is, uh, it is just such a special, exciting thing. And uh, fingers crossed that it does well enough that they let me write another one because I really, really love doing it. The book is like in a world where we all crave connection and reality. This book is us. It really, this is not like some corporate cookbook. Like these are real family recipes. He writes about me. I wrote the forward. Like this is, this was born out of an emergency and out of the support from you guys. Like this is a labor of love. I'm so proud of you and the cookbook. And I can tell you I'm here. I'm alive because I eat that food. I've been eating that food and it's scrumped out. And really trying to write a book that is geared toward helping people uh, just want to cook food and not be so overwhelmed by all the things happening and how, how intimidating it can be. And honestly, all the, the direct feedback through the course of the live stream version of the show really shaped the book and it changed things that we were going to not put in versus things we were. And it really helped us discover this. That's why... There are three versions of broccoli pasta in the book. There's two different tomato sauces. There's so many uh, options and malleabilities. It's about getting people to learn how to make food that they're willing to eat. And that is the most important thing. This food, this food, this book is for the home chef, the novice chef, the amateur chef, the professional chef, someone who doesn't like to eat but likes to look on. People like me, people like you. And there's some, uh, some, some good writing in there too. You can even read it like story time. Get your copy of the Don't Panic Pantry cookbook wherever fine books are sold. And for more information on this book tour, the book, events, you can look at Noah's page on Instagram at Galuten, G-A-L-U-T-E-N. You can also follow me and find him through that. Thank you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. 
Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave.